I'm a captain. He's a chain of command, drives go up, not down, always up. You drive to me, I drive to my superior officer, so on, so on. I got, I got drunk as shit the other day. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> That's a perfect intro. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinate with Booms. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> we are once again remote because, believe it or not, the world's still fucked up. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I feel like that's what we're going to have to start with for the next, like, two months. <laughs> yeah, I know, dude. It's crazy, man. Like, I'm, I'm getting how's, a little... Uh, how's quarantine life treating you? Oh, getting a little stir-crazy. Are you, you really? Know? But, um, but I started a garden, so yeah. I've got... I've got some tomatoes and some peppers growing, and I wake up and water my plants every day, so that gives me it's all about purpose routines. in the quarantine. Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know. That's what I hear. It's all about routines. Luckily, I've been doing the same routine I've always done, but I have been watching some fantastic films. How about yourself? You watch anything good? <laughs> so, in the last couple of days, I have watched all four Avengers movies. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just went yeah. on a rant. <laughs> yeah, I did. It was a lot of fun, actually, though. I was like, man, I forgot, you know, how good, like, the first two really are, you know? Yeah, I haven't seen them in a while, since the last yeah. pod. I, I went through them all, but, yeah, I need to do that again. I I own Endgame, and I haven't watched Endgame since I bought it. I haven't watched it since the theater. Oh, wow, dude. Yeah. yeah. I've been watching the most random 80s comedies. I watched... Uh, uh, what was it? Stay tuned. Uh, that might actually have been nineties. Uh, Howard the duck. Um, friggin', uh, what was the other one? UHF, the yes. Al Yankovic one, uh, back to the beach, a whole bunch of different random comedies. I've just been now, plowing through them. Stay tuned. Is that the one with John Ritter? Yeah. John Ritter and Pam Dauber. Man. Yeah. They get sucked great, into that dude. TV, man. That's <laughs> great, dude. I love it. Isn't like, isn't there like a Prince music video or something? But like, Ferris oh yeah, yeah, Bueller's, yeah, yeah. He had that Prince hair, Bueller. man. <laughs> That's right. That was yeah. the funny parts of that was them just going into different TV channels, man. It was really, yeah. really hilarious. I forgot how that funny was it was. A lot of fun. And remember, Eugene Levy's stuck in there. He's like one of the execs that Jeffrey Jones kind of throws in there. So they, oh, like, that's right. They like come across him at some point when they're in the, like the wilderness, and he helps them uh, get away from the wolves because they're on some wilderness show. It was crazy. Yeah, but he ends up like losing his arms and legs. Yeah, he? something weird. I can't remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, we were gonna watch. I think today's movie is Drop Dead Fred. We're gonna that'll be our '80s uh, uh, flick for the day. <laughs> nice, always a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, everyone out there is staying safe. I know uh, everyone's hunkering down more than ever, which is great. Well, most everyone's hunkering down. <laughs> yeah, it still baffles me. I decide to go out like once every like eight or nine days just to get provisions, and I just see people everywhere, and they're not wearing. Yeah, masks. it's crazy, man. And then, but I also at the same time wonder, like, okay, well, are these the same people that are like coming out every eight or nine days, and like that's just what it is? Yeah. Or are people just like out doing whatever the fuck they want right now? Like, I, 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 I would love an answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, I would love an answer to that too. I'm not getting close enough to ask though. <laughs> When, yeah right when this whole thing dies down i'll, I'll be alive <laughs> then i can weed through the ashes <laughs> yeah for real uh but yeah hopefully everyone enjoyed the 2010s uh comedy that was great i've ordered a bunch yeah. of movies that were on that list that we talked about that i still haven't seen still waiting for them to get here uh, that's awesome but 
yeah, we've got some more uh, Tom Hanks here. We figured we'd dive into the epic part two. Dave's still kind of home alone. If any Dave fans out there, the reason you haven't heard from him is he's uh, his cell service sucks balls. That's what we've determined. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. (laughs) Yep, but we might have figured out some cool uh, social distancing way of doing it next week uh, where we can can have him on the pod to do a a cool one. But me and Justin will pick up the slack today. We're going to be talking some uh, some Tom Hanks, some of his formidable years. If you haven't listened to the Tom Hanks pod number one, you should definitely go back and check it out because that was... That was like chop full of all his eighties comedies, you know. I think it was all eighties last uh, time because it ended yeah, and ended sure. in eighty eight on uh, Turner and Hooch, and this one starts in the nineties. And we're going to take this from ninety all the way to two thousand two. Hell yeah! Which weird enough, he's only got like I mean, he adds a little bit of comedy to whatever he's in, but the the two only big like die hard comedies, I guess, are the only the first two on the list. Then it gets kind of like. Uh, uh, not, I wouldn't go as far as saying dark, but it would definitely get serious, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But some of these are like, there's a couple on here that are on my top 50 list of uh, favorite movies of all time. Oh, uh, dude, there are some great, great movies on yeah. this list. So I think we start right off, and unfortunately, it's the one that you haven't seen, which is blows my mind because it's such uh, yeah, a, you know, it's this comedy I, there. I've, I've seen it, but I was probably... 11 and i think it was just above my grade at that time and there might have been some nudity in it maybe and my parents didn't want me to watch it like which is odd for my parents but yeah, like, there's definitely no nudity that's in it. that's the okay i was gonna say that's that's the defensive strategy i'm gonna stick with as to why i never saw it but <laughs> never too late never too late i'll let you borrow it i know right <laughs> it, it was fun it was weird though it was one of those movies that when you watch it it reminded you of a lot of the danny devito directed ones which have kind of a weird dark kind of uh uh factor to it and what you're dealing with it so you got tom hanks and uh he's a hypochondriac he thinks he's sick with everything and <laughs> He gets he goes to a doctor who's played by Robert Stack. He's that unsolved mysteries guy. He was also yeah. in an airplane. And yeah. uh, he tells me he's got a brain cloud. He says, You're you're gonna see no symptoms, but you're gonna end up dying in the next six months. Convenient, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh he gets visited by Lloyd Bridges, also from Airplane, and he was awesome in this movie. Lloyd Bridges only comes in for like this small, like eight minute scene, and it's really fabulous. And he uh, he's selling Tom Hanks on the idea. He says, do you know about this indigenous people on this uh, faraway island? He says, they uh, they kind of manufacture some element there that we need to get. And uh, they said they would give us as much as we could handle if we got somebody to kind of come in and be a sacrifice to their volcano. He says, since you're going to die, would you mind jumping in the volcano and taking one for the team? <laughs> and then he says, he's like, don't worry, you'll you'll love it. We uh, will pull out all the stops. Tonight, we're going to send you to New York. You can buy as much clothes as you want, eat at the best restaurants, see the shows. Then tomorrow, you're going to take like a limo to this yacht, and the yacht's going to be across the South Pacific. He says, you're going to live like a prince the whole time you're there and everything. And he, he's like, hey, I might I might be interested, dude. I, I know, man. It doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's all for it. it. He like agrees so fast. He's like, okay. <laughs> in, a, in that best Tom <laughs> Hanks type way. And yeah. uh so then he gets picked up by like at his house by Meg Ryan, which weird enough plays three different roles in this movie. 
Uh, really? And she almost looks the same in every one, except her hair color is different. She uses a little different accent, but she's playing all her sisters. And really, the the first two are very strange, and then when they get to the third one, it's almost like, oh, this is kind of the Meg Ryan we always knew. And uh, so, not to too too much spoiling, but uh, you realize that she's the daughter of Lloyd Bridges and everything, and he's not she's not supposed to ask him what he's there to do. And they end up falling in love and everything. And obviously she ends up finding out what he's going to do. And he's like, wait, you're going to jump into the volcano. He's like, yeah, I'm really sick. And he, he's like, this doctor, so-and-so told me that. And he's like, that's my dad's doctor. <laughs> and they, they put it together that they've just hosed him to kill himself. But oh wow, when they get to the Island, it's great. It's uh, you, you know who Abe Vigoda is? Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's like fish and he was in Godfather and he's just he's great. He plays the like the head chief and everything and he's very like uh he's he just basically plays Abe Vigoda with war paint on and he's absolutely hysterical. The whole tribe is obsessed with orange crushed soda. So there's <laughs> orange crushed soda cans and everything everywhere and it's it's just all the fun stuff that kind of happened uh on the island. So it it was good. And was yeah. one of the last really big deal comedies he had done all the way up until probably, well, the next one has a good amount of comedy on it, but really after that, we don't really see him do much of a comedy until like Lady Killers. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'll tell you just because I think this is probably the first time we've mentioned Abe Vigoda on the pod. <laughs> one thing that like I absolutely love about him, I know he was in The Godfather and stuff like that, but I didn't know who he was. Until he was just famous for being himself. Like, <laughs> did, did you ever notice that in the 90s? Like, in the 90s and 2000s, like, Abe Vigoda was seriously just, the, he was like his own personal meme. People <laughs> would just reference him, and you knew exactly what emotion or state they were talking about, you know what I mean? Just by saying who he was. Like, yeah, he's that old curmudgeon, like, uh, kind of... Uh grumpy dude <laughs> yeah you know but he's just he's so funny like, yeah oh, great, i love dude. him man he's great he was great in this they it was like the one thing that they added to the picture that happened later on because that's another thing people forget that he's not like on the island for more than like um i think like 30 minutes maybe the rest of it's kind of getting there and everything so it's fun when you finally get there nice Cool. Well, this next one, man, two years later, and, and from this point on, he does almost a movie a year into a certain point for the next five movies. And this is this next one is uh, 1992's League of Their Own. Such a great movie. Man, dude. this was not only was this a great comedy, it was a great drama and it was a great baseball movie, you know? Oh, yeah. Just absolutely. a great sports movie in general. Uh, was it the Rockford Peaches? The Rockford Peaches, man. And talk yeah. about an all-star cast of uh, great ladies in this movie. And ones you wouldn't even expect. Like, I remember when it came out and you're like, wait, Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell are in this? I was like, yeah, that's really and strange. And they were perfect. Oh, my God. They were so good in this movie. Oh, they were like best friends afterwards. Yeah. I don't know how they're doing now. But, you know, they were like best friends afterward. And I, I know Gina Davis was also like, you know, the main role in this. But yeah. also, dude, Laurie Petty killed it. Oh, Laurie Petty was awesome in this. I was, I've always been a Laurie Petty fan, so I was excited to see her in this. And she really did a lot of good stuff that you don't usually get to see her do. She usually plays that tough chick a lot. I mean, you think Tank Girl. You think Absolutely. Uh, point break. And then in this, she's just kind of that younger sister trying to kind of show up her older sister. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any uh, fun stuff that, uh, what was your kind of favorite stuff from this? <laughs> um, so it definitely has to do with Tom Hanks and, uh, and the part where <laughs> he's drunk as hell and they're timing him take a piss. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> people forget that he was kind of an asshole at the beginning of this movie you know remember that in that same scene when he stopped pissing and that girl handed him his baseball card and he just ripped it up and threw it out oh yeah <laughs> and absolutely. he was kind of a dick until that one uh that one play where they were giving him shit and he actually had to stand up and then he kind of understood what needed to be happening there and uh, yeah all the way down there's no crying in baseball <laughs> yeah but I'll tell you, I think my favorite line in the whole movie, and it might be right around, it's during that same time where he's just kind of being a, a drunk ex-grumpy baseball player, but he gets into an argument with the ref, oh, yeah. or with the umpire, with the umpire, and he, like, the umpire turns around to walk away, and he goes, anybody ever tell you you look like a little penis with a hat on? <laughs> <laughs> remember that. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, I love that line. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but so I mean, good. yeah, and I mean, that's a fascinating story, too, about like, you know, the, the Women's Baseball League and everything like that. And, and my uh, mom was uh, had like a very minor connection with it because she worked at a uh, she worked at a uh, an accounting firm where her boss was actually one of the uh, females at the, in the women's, uh, league, one of the right. Rockford peaches. And that's she actually awesome. went out there, uh, d- during the filming of it and got to meet Tom Hanks and Gina Davis, whoever they, she said, everyone loved, everyone couldn't stand Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell because they kind of had foul mouths and everything, but, uh, yeah. they had a great time and that, and they got to be in that scene at the end. A lot of those, uh, women that showed up were in the, that end sequence, which a lot of people yeah. forget how great that makeup was. Remember how great oh, the makeup yeah. was? Absolutely, dude. Gina Davis, like, I, I can picture it right now. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it was, yeah. And man, one of my uh, favorite actors in that movie that we didn't even mention was John Lovitz as the recruit. The recruiter. Absolutely. My God, what he uh, when he's trying to get him on the train, he says, see how it works is the train moves, not the station. <laughs> right, yeah. And then uh, your buddy from uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is the little kid at the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Francis. Francis, yeah. <laughs> Francis is taking a bath. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, man. Yeah. I loved it, man. Yeah. I could I could watch League of Their Own anytime. If it's on TV and I come across it, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. It's like that perfect weekend movie to watch. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the story was good, too. Like, when they realized, like, you know, first of all, the, the women that were playing loved what they were doing they loved playing baseball and you know the the league was possibly going to close down and that's when you know gina davis you know does that split to catch the ball and then all of a sudden she starts becoming like the you know the the face of the league but like you know it's just it's a really cool freaking story that like i've other than this movie being put out i would have never known that this part of history because i'm not a big baseball guy i love baseball movies and you know like i like the world series and all that but like I would have never known anything about that if it weren't for this movie. It was freaking great, man. Yeah, really, really good. I think Penny Marshall directed it. I'm pretty sure Penny Marshall directed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've been friends for a while because Gary Marshall was in it. Uh, no, yeah, Gary Marshall, which is her dad. He was the one that was convincing Tom Hanks to uh, to actually come back and uh, and do the team. <laughs> so right. it was good. Well, it was, if, if that was an upbeat movie, this next one, not so much. <laughs> yeah. But this one... W- Next one was the one that uh, there's only been, and uh, Dave had mentioned it to me the other day, there's only been one other actor. I'm not sure if it's been done recently, but up until this point, 
of 93 and 94, there was one, only one other actor who won Best Actor two years consecutively. And I oh, wow. think it was Spencer Tracy was the first one. And obviously the next one I'm going to reveal is Tom Hanks. And yeah. for the, the first one was for Philadelphia, which we'll talk about now, but then the next one was Forrest Gump. Uh, right. So it's amazing that he got two years in a row, and who knows that hadn't who knew that hadn't been done before? But I mean, he definitely deserved it in both these flicks. Uh, and I honestly, I didn't realize that that was back to back. I know that he won the Oscar yeah. for uh, Philadelphia and for Forrest Gump, but you know, I didn't realize that they were one year after the next. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Philadelphia, great movie, man. I mean, depressing as hell. It's not one of those movies that, unlike League of Their Own, if it's on the back of the uh, in the background, I might not watch Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. But it's one of those great movies to check out every like ten years or something like that. And uh, you also forget how much of a courtroom movie that is. You know, I remember recently oh, yeah. watching it, and I was like, "Wow!" I, I I thought it was a lot of just Tom Hanks in the hospital dying because obviously, those who don't know, Philadelphia is about uh, kind of the onset of uh, one of the first movies about AIDS, really. Yeah, uh, yeah. and it, they picked a really good one and a very poignant subject, which dealt with well, a lot of the prejudice between gay people uh, and. Uh, and the AIDS virus in general, not realizing what you could you drink after him, could you shake their hands? And a lot of that came out through that Denzel Washington character, which was really great. Yeah, absolutely. But also, wasn't uh, Antonio Banderas, wasn't that his boyfriend? Yeah, that was his boyfriend. That, that was yeah. the only far out fiction I, I saw in the movie. <laughs> 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 I would like to I would like to think that Antonio could do better than him, but I don't yeah. know. <laughs> uh, That's funny. And the asshole uh, Jason Robards, man, playing that like uh, that head boss of the company that was kind of uh, uh, oh, screwing yeah, him dude. over, man. And I love Jason Robards. He's one of those actors that can play like that really lovely kind of grandfather type character right. and he can come in and play mean as shit when he wants and this was kind of his mean as shit kind of uh yeah. role and nothing's better than in a movie for me than like the little man getting one over on the big company or big corporation oh yeah i think of like the you ever seen the insider with russell crowe the cigarette movie uh, I don't think I have. Oh, I've man. Seen that, him smoking. and Al Pacino are in that, and it's all them against big tobacco, and it's so enjoyable to see um, him have something on them and them just get so scared. Because when people are threatening your lives and putting like uh, death threats on you and everything, you know, you know you're pissing the right people off or the wrong exactly. people off. Exactly. You know you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're, you're getting – you're pushing those buttons. So I loved it. I, I thought it was great. There was a lot of elements in it that I even wasn't aware of. I thought it really uh, highlighted the uh, the lesions that appear on your skin if you ha- have right. uh, the virus. And I had at that point, I had no idea the, uh, what these purple lesions were. And I, I love that they kind of really put them on him when he was on the stand and everything. So you got to yeah. see it. You got to see his hair grow gray. I mean, it was, it was sad towards the end there, but you kind of knew what was going to happen. Oh, dude. Yeah, it was a very sad movie, but, and I don't know, maybe I said this previously when we were talking about this movie, but like, you know, my dad's a doctor and I remember him telling me that like when the AIDS crisis hit and like you said, they didn't know about it. He said that the doctors wouldn't even go into the rooms, that they would stand in the doorway and talk to the patients because they didn't know if it was airborne or how you could contract it at all. And like, dude, that's so, especially like poignant to what's going on right now. You know what I mean? It's just like fuck man so you actually can like envision this this was like i mean it wasn't a pandemic i mean it became a pandemic you know but like 
Um, you know, I mean, this was, it was scary. It's always scary when somebody doesn't know what this disease is, you know, or what, if they can catch it or if they can't. I mean, that's like you said, similar to what's going on now. I I don't see how social distancing is ever going to change after this. You know, yeah, people are always, I I think of it all the time now. So I mean, handshakings are like done. I think that's probably a given. (laughs) I'm starting to wonder whether or not my career field is going to even have a place to be really in you know oh yeah dude with massage i yeah. mean i, I mean maybe people... in like maybe in a couple of years but <laughs> i think it's gonna be a while before i start getting my books full you yeah know? that's true but yeah i mean dude just great movie great overall movie. man all right well the next one this is the uh the great robert zemeckis we talked about recently and we touched on this movie there as well and that's 1994's forrest gump yeah i love forrest gump man there's almost nothing to dislike about this movie and I think what my favorite thing is, is I, I love movies and it happens with me with a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies where you are rewatching it for the second time and then you're really excited about a scene coming up. I, that happens in Marvel movies a lot. You know, you just kind of, uh, you know, when you're watching like uh, Infinity Wars, when something major is going to come happen in the next five minutes, you're like, oh, I can't wait. And that's <laughs> yeah, kind of how exactly, I felt yeah. during Forrest Gump. You were like, oh, well, first he's going to go into the ar- the army stuff is probably my favorite but I do love the stuff with Lieutenant Dan after the army. Uh, yeah, when they're absolutely. just on a downward spiral. Now, is this something, did you see this in the theater? I did see this in the theater. Um, and, you know, the other thing that I absolutely love about this movie too is it's probably got, in my opinion, the best soundtrack of like any movie ever. Absolutely. It's um, definitely up there. It, it has, I mean, it captured It's, it's the, a double disc. Yep, double disc captured that like two decades basically. I guess it was more like the 60s and the 70s. A little bit of the 80s, I guess was yeah. towards the end, but oh man, it was, it was, goes up as one of the best, um, like war soundtracks too, because all the music they played when they were at war was so perfect. Yeah. He was able to capture a lot of stuff and bring technology in. I mean, you you forget until you rewatch it, how much he works real life footage into it. Oh, and I think this was the first time that I, that I ever saw somebody put into footage like that before, yeah. like the, you know, where he's shaking the president's hand and everything like that. And he, yeah, and it really said, oh, looked like real that. too. I mean, even now yeah, no, it holds it, up. Yeah. Oh, I bet it does. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, um, but I think that, and then also what they did with uh, Lieutenant Dan's legs, like that was amazing. Yeah, I remember I, yeah, seeing no, them I, do that. I was like, did they take his legs? Like, how did they do this? Yeah, you know? like, <laughs> that Gary Sinise I, is committed, man. I know, right? Talk about character actor, <laughs> method actor, method I mean. actor. Yeah. Yeah. Just take him. Shia LaBeouf's doing that for his next movie. No big deal. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, Tom Cruise gets born on the 4th of July, and he's just like, fuck. <laughs> Would have won the Oscar if I had done that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, Candy-ass <man>. commitment. <laughs> but yeah, exactly, right? But I mean, and that's the, the, the thing that's most impressive to me about the overall movie of Forrest Gump is the way they fit his life into the actual timeline of America. Yeah. You know what I mean? The way that so many things like butterfly affected off of him just living his life and the way that they tied that into real society. Like, you know, when he when he calls the, the people about the Watergate, he's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They, you know, there there's some people. Somebody needs to go turn the lights on. There's people with flashlights on over there. He thought he was helping somebody out. Next thing you know, the whole country's in scandal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and I just I love how they did that all throughout the movie. Yeah, him. even minor stuff like the uh, the smile, have a nice day, face. You know, on the t-shirt. Exactly. It's yeah. It's exactly. so random stuff. So I loved it. 
<laughs> I tell you, I do wish though that like there was some way to know what he said during that speech at the reflecting pool when he was <laughs> yeah, I know. when he when he comes into Jenny, you know, yeah. like I would love to know what he said during that. Like, <laughs> that is true. That is true. I don't think of that. <laughs> that there was a, probably to... a very poignant speech that we didn't even hear about. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to have to try and see if there's like yeah, if there's dialogue some way of finding that out. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's, that's how you know you've seen the movie. I wish I knew what they didn't say. <laughs> what I didn't see. Uh, all right. Well, this next one, this is one that is on my top 50 without a doubt. I love it. Uh, it uh, was one of the best sounding movies I had ever heard on my hmm. uh, surround sound system back in the day. And uh, this was 1995's Apollo 13. Another one with him and Gary Sinise. I yep. didn't realize that until just now. Lieutenant Dan doesn't go to space, though. He stays home. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> man, I love this movie. This was Ron Howard at his best, man. The the, the music done for this mu- uh, movie and the sound design and everything was so good. I've always been kind of obsessed with like uh, the space program, and I've watched a shitload of documentaries. Did you ever see that documentary that HBO and Tom Hanks uh uh, did because he did the producing on it. He wasn't on it. He might have did some narration on it now that I think about it. It was called From the Earth to the Moon. I remember it, but I don't think I ever saw yeah, it. Any was, of it was like seven or eight chapters, and every chapter was broken up into different Apollo missions. And so it told the whole story of what happened. And like this Apollo 13 thing didn't happen until like. 75% through the uh the series and everything so there was so much going on before the fact that it was it was really interesting to watch but in, it encapsulated it perfectly with this movie oh dude yeah i mean man th- this was an incredible way to tell this story you know what i mean cuz like again this is another you can tell like how much i've learned from movies you know what i yeah, mean yeah. like this is again where like the backstory that went on behind this whole situation like i, I it's fascinating you know what i mean and like what they had to make and how quickly they had to make it and what they had to make it out of. And yeah. like, oh, dude, or the like, different scenarios they had to do. They were like, oh, we, we, they have to sling shot him along the moon. And they were like, no, a straight reversal trajectory will get him here quicker. And he says, yeah, but they're not going to have enough oxygen if they do it that way. And they're going to run out of fuel the other way. So it was like, they, they literally had to find the smartest guys on the planet to be able to, in the, to go in there and figure it out. And some of that stuff at the Mission Control was like, that was literally the best part of the movie, in my opinion, the stuff at the Mission Control. I mean, obviously, Tom Hanks can sell anything, especially when you're in a room with like Kevin Bacon and Bill Paxton. But them, those character actors that they, uh, they grab for this movie to like that scene where he dumps out all those filter parts. And he's like, we need to figure out how to fit something like this into something like this using only yeah. this. And right. you're like, oh, my God, this is the type of thing. And then Gary Sinise in that like uh, in that simulator trying to figure out how to do everything at a certain time period and not over a certain amount of watts. It, it's fascinating that they were ever able to get these guys back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wasn't uh, Ron Howard's brother in this one? Isn't yeah, oh, he yeah, like you know super it. Famous, wasn't he in the Houston We Have a Problem scene? Yeah, he was in the he was in the Mission Control, and he had a couple different uh, things, uh, a lot more dialogue than he normally did because he was in several scenes there, and it was really, really yeah. good. Yeah, I loved everybody. Ed Harris, Ed Harris was awesome as that kind of that gene guy who kind of was the head of uh, Control. They said that they made that set 
looked just like the 60s kind of uh, mission and control that they brought some of the old school guys in and they could not believe it. They like really? were floored that they thought they were just took like a time capsule back in time and they were like right there. That's how realistic it looked. So that's awesome. Just very simple. And it, it, we don't even think about that too. With technology today, is it's probably a hundred ways we could get them back uh, without a problem. Shit, they could send another rocket up there to pick them up at some point. But I know, right? uh, the the idea that they had that was always what uh, there was always one moment in the movie that really kind of cemented to you how dangerous it is when they were talking about being in the lem. Uh, which is that, um, the, you know, they, they got rid of the rocket at some point and then they were just going to use the lem to get back through reentry. Right. And they're talking about how thin the walls were. And they have yeah. that one expert on there. It says, if you, uh, the lem wall is about the, uh, thickness of like six sheets of like tin, uh, aluminum foil. <laughs> oh and you're God. like, what the hell, man? It says you just move slightly and your foot goes through that whole thing and then you're just dead. It's insane. Yeah. Just burn up. Stress, stressful. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I'm always a sucker for a good, uh, a good space movie. Did you ever seen um, the? Was it the first man or the first something? That one with Ron, uh, the one with the what's the guy from uh, shit La La Land and uh, asking the wrong guy uh, if it comes Drive. To uh, he was he was in Drive and he was in Love oh, and the yeah. Real Girl. Uh, he played Neil Armstrong in that movie that came out like a year and a half ago. I think it was called First Man, and it was good. Uh, yeah, it was good just to see, see all of it. Yeah, yeah. No. I'm, now, now I'm stuck trying to remember his fucking name. What's his name? <laughs> I, I want to say Ryan something, isn't it? Ryan yeah, Gosling. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah, he's only one of the biggest actors in the world. It's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's not going to do my movie now that I forgot him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move it on. And I'm pretty sure this next one, I, I, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure this next one was actually directed by Tom Hanks. And this was. was one year later, 1996, That Thing You Do. Yeah, this was a fun movie. Dude. God, it was so fun, man. This was, this goes right up there with like a league of their own of that quality of movie where you could just put it on at any point. And you don't have to be, there's nothing really sad going on in the movie. It's just fun stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like a probably what, like, it's probably 50s style. Yeah, it was definitely the 50s. I guess it was kind of around maybe late 50s where it wasn't like, it wasn't, it was just the emergence of rock and roll. It wasn't like Frankie and Annette beach blanket bingo, but it wasn't like uh, 60s kind of uh, war rock either. Yeah, it was, it was almost Beatles like. Yeah, it was kind of Beatles like or early stones and it gave you a great snapshot into the life of like this small group of uh, bandmates, you know, that were all coming together and they had like this hit record. <clears throat> Ironically yeah, I, called that thing you do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 one of my favorite little, like, I guess it's co- comedic scenes is uh, when they're going on TV for the first time and the guest host, I, it's supposed to be like the Ed Sullivan show, I think, yeah. you know, um, and the guest or the the talk show host, you know, says the O'Neaters and their name is the Wonders, but it's spelled <laughs> O-N-E, you know, and he, and everybody's like the O'Neaters. What does that mean? Like, it was funny. Man, and Tom Hanks, didn't he play the he was like their manager, right? Their tour manager yeah, that went was, around with he, them and. 
Yeah, he was like their agent and manager and just like set everything up for him and tried to keep everything together. And, you know, and it's just it's like almost any other like musical, like not musical, but, you know, music act or, you know, band type movie where, you know, they start off, they're shooting the stardom <laughs> and then the band starts to break up and then yeah. things happen. And, you know, big so egos, it, big egos take over and uh, eventually uh, Slash and Axel don't get along. <laughs> exactly. Right. And then the tours canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, it had some good actors in it too. It, I know it had uh, Liv Tyler was in it. So uh, Liv Tyler, Stephen Zahn was one of them. One of the the guy from uh, Dead Man on Campus, he was one of them. Uh, yeah. So a lot of really good young actors that just came on, and it, it was one of Tom Hanks's smaller roles. Though I mean, this was probably the first time where you got to see him in a movie just kind of as a like co star. Really, he wasn't the real, he wasn't the star of this movie. No, but I think this was his directorial debut. Yeah, I think debut, that's what it and was. I think that was kind of what he was trying to showcase more than anything. Shit, yeah. Probably, you know, probably was like, yeah, why not? I'll play that role too. <laughs> I know? wouldn't be surprised like, if he st- just starts that all the time now. I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, he still loves acting and he's still going to be in in it. But I know a lot of people when they get older, they just want to do some of that directing stuff. But we will see. Now that he's yeah. now that he's free from Corona, if Tom Hanks can make it, well, yeah, we we might still be screwed because Tom Hanks is. Oh, rich. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't even begin to wonder what uh, Tom Hanks's net worth is. You know, oh, I God, guarantee yeah. I flip through the stations right now on my TV and I'll find two Tom Hanks movies playing right now. So yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that he must just have residual checks coming every day. Just put him in a special B.O.P.O. P.O. box. <laughs> I'll get to him one day. He just, he just has his own bank chilling yeah. next door. It's like Seinfeld know? not uh, cashing his aunt's checks. And everything. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to him one day. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, all right, this is an, this next one, man. And this is another one that would definitely make my top 50 list. Probably one of the best war movies ever made. And that's uh, 1998 Saving Private Ryan. Now, did he direct this one also? No, this was Spielberg. Okay, yeah. all right. And I think this was his first kind of uh, his first movie to ever do with Spielberg. I'm pretty sure. Well, and then did Tom Hanks direct um, Band of Brothers after doing? this He produced movie? it. He produced it. Produced it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I knew. Him I knew Spielberg there was an association, it. and I knew it happened like on this timeline, but I couldn't remember where. Yeah. Now that okay. this movie, man, if if that first. 25 minutes doesn't affect you you don't have a pulse <laughs> yeah no shit because the that first 25 minutes and i give people credit for sticking with it after that because you, you know that it's it, it really doesn't there's a lot of horrible stuff and, and crazy stuff and emotional stuff but it really they start you off with the worst if you can deal with the beginning 20 minutes and you can make it through there you probably can make it through the whole flick because yeah. it turns into almost a different type of movie at some point, you know, everything's like, it starts like super chaotic and who the fuck is even the, uh, the co-stars in this movie and everything. And really not until they get up there pretty far on the beach. Does it even give you a breathing room, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely, dude. I mean, when they're sitting on top of that hill with that fucking machine gun, just raining down on the beach and yeah. just slaughtering people. I mean, I mean, oh, the, the, you hear stories about veterans seeing this and being like severely affected and you could see how, man. I mean, there's just so much crazy imagery, just even him, uh, you know, the lack, the, they do some great stuff with the sound effects where it like loses sound after he gets rolled into the waves and everything. Right. And, or when the grenade goes off and you can't barely yeah. hear and he sees the guy holding his own arm. I mean, once you see the guy holding his own arm, you're yeah. like, oh God, man, this is going to be a rough flick here. Yeah. Uh, 
but some great character actors and great uh, like people who became huge superstars in this movie. I mean, we got Barry Pepper, who I don't know what he's doing anymore, but he put a he did a lot of flicks there for a while that were really fantastic. You got yeah. Vin Diesel, Tom Sizemore, uh, Paul Giamatti, shit, even Tom. Uh, or what's his name? Ted Danson got into this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeremy Davies playing a really great Jeremy Davies and uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Giovanni yeah, Ribisi. Giovanni Ribisi he was, was incredible. Oh, he was so good in every scene he was in. Uh, uh, tell us what to do, Doc. Yeah. Oh, oh that's the up. scene, man. I did, yeah. Oh. I don't even want to talk about that scene. It's so bad. Uh, or or with I felt bad for Upham. You know, he he yeah. He, he tries so hard, but that's there's one Upham in like every group. You know. Yeah. And everyone yeah. watching the movie they're like talking to themselves in the head being like, would I be up them? You know, I don't want to yeah. be up them. I want to be Barry Pepper. I want to be able yeah. to say, Hey, put Adolf Hitler in my sights anywhere in this world. And I'll take him down. You know, I'm I, telling you, <laughs> cause we can all go home. Yeah. We can all go home. Oh, fantastic movie, man. Yeah. And, uh, I loved even when they, they reached Matt Damon at the end. Really fantastic. That last like third of the movie. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. The only, Dude, and I think, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, I think probably my favorite moment, even though it's fucking terrible, like my favorite moment is, I'll just say when Tom Sizemore gets the wind knocked out of him. Yep. Like. On the bridge. Oh my. Yeah, yep. dude. Like, oh my God, dude. That, that was one that, of the best things he ever did. I was. Uh, oh, I, hands down. I, like that. I mean, he had a special I, clause that if he failed a drug test, that they would pull him off the movie because he was going through kind of his, his type of demons. So he was able to pull it through just to be able to make it happen and. and uh, booyah for him. He did a fantastic job with it. Yeah. Unfortunately he went downhill far after yeah. that. Oh, but, totally. But yeah, that's happens. Uh, for me, the only downside of saving prior Ryan is I did not need that opening and closing kind of bookend. You know, I liked it. I yeah. liked it. Yeah. I found myself when I go back and rewatch it, I'll jump right after it. I won't even watch it. You know, it's, it yeah. sucks. And, and I, and I, I can totally, I can totally see how like some people might, might feel that way, yeah. you know, like, Cause it is, it's kind of like, really? But like at the same time, if you're like really invested in the character and everything like that, then all of a sudden you're just like, cause to me, like I had, the beginning was kind of the beginning. And then like, as things wrapped up, I was like, oh yeah. Oh, oh well, you, you almost I mean? forget so, about it. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So that's why I liked it because I wasn't, I wasn't paying close enough attention to that segment of the movie to like, to for it to be ruined for me, I was still kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why I liked it. But I can totally see how other people, A, would think it was cheesy, or B, would be like, yeah, I saw that coming a mile away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Have you seen uh, 1917 yet? I haven't, dude. Oh, yeah, I haven't. I the it. last war movie I've seen was Dunkirk. And oh, I've seen good. that like I've seen that like three times. And yeah. I, I just, like, I basically, Saving Private Ryan... Dunkirk and I imagine 1917 will probably be the three war movies that I'll ever like be like those are the ones you need to watch and I haven't even seen 1917 yet you're knocking out some good ones there you never saw Full Metal Jacket (laughs) oh yeah that's true Full Metal Jacket though was a different type of movie that one wasn't having so much to do with whoa uh to do so much with like the war as it was like the mentality of like, you know, I don't know. I felt like it was different. Like, yeah. uh, well, platoon platoon for sure. Had, platoon. Yeah. yeah Apocalypse now. God, man, Apocalypse a, now. War movies are just ripe for good drama, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they really are. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so this next one, this was a fantastic one. This was uh, Tom Hanks's first kind of jaunt into a Stephen King world, uh, directed by the brilliant Frank Darabont, was 1999's The Green Mile. Yeah. And I've said it before, I think, in in my opinion, I think Frank Darabont should be the only one allowed to... Uh, to do Stephen King books because he does such a fantastic job. Those who don't know, Frank Darabont directed uh, Stephen King's Shawshank Redemption and uh, The Mist and obviously Green Mile. And man, all three of those, fantastic fucking movies. Definitely. And, and you really can't say that about every Stephen King movie. Sometimes his books are better than the movies. Sometimes the movies are better than the books. But yeah, it's, it, it all depends on who you put who you put in charge of kind of doing that type of stuff. The problem with a lot of Stephen King uh, stories is they, they immediately shoot them over to the TV and they have to dumb them down and take stuff out. And not until recently have they, you've realized that they've been real respectful for it with it coming out and them nailing it like completely. That's where everyone's excited again. And I'm, for me, The Stand, and I think The Stand is actually going to be a TV series, but that's one I'm excited about because I think it's going to one of the, the networks where they could actually show shit. It's not going to be thrown on CBS or something like that. I think it's, right, like, yeah. it's either Netflix or Hulu or someone has the rights to it. And they've been casting people recently, so I've been hearing little bits and pieces about it. And I was a fan of the the TV show The Stand, too, as cheesy and badly cast it was. It was still fantastic. <laughs> Uh, and very memorable from the 90s. Uh, but yeah. The Green Mile, that's one that they really uh, went all out to get some great actors in this movie. Well, now, isn't there a cool story about how this kind of came about? Didn't somebody hand Michael Clark Duncan? Oh, yes, that's true. Uh, what happened was uh, Bruce Willis was on the set of Armageddon with uh-huh. Michael Clark Duncan, and he had just read the book. Bruce Willis just finished uh, The Green Mile, and Green Mile was an interesting book when it came out because Stephen King released it in chapters, and it was like a six-chapter book. It was a uh-huh. it was a pretty big book, and eventually after the chapters, so they would, every month or, you know, I think it was a month or maybe six weeks, they would release another chapter, so it was a very exciting thing if you were a fan, and they... I remember one. my one friend had it. I told him I was just going to wait till the end because at the end they said they would release a whole volume that included all of them. But she was like super excited and they actually gave her a box that would fit all six chapters. So they gave her the, the box with the first book and then she would just add another book to it every time until she had this like six book or five book set, whatever it was. But I, mm-hmm. I read it all in one big thing and I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. But... So when Bruce Willis had read it, he actually brought it to Michael Clark Duncan and said, hey, man, you you know, I don't know if you've read this book, but you are John Coffey. He says, you need to read this book. You need to take it right now. And then you need to kind of search out who's in charge of doing this movie or I'll make a phone call myself and help you out. And I think he did. And uh, boom, you got John Coffey, who yeah. I mean, I, you can't imagine anyone else playing him. No, absolutely not, dude. I mean, he's like Michael one of the Clark biggest Duncan. dudes you can ever think of. Yeah. Like, wise. I, Absolutely, dude. I mean, the only, the only person, you know, and I, I, you know, because I don't know that could replace him would maybe he couldn't do it emotionally, though, would maybe be like Terry Crews size wise, yeah. you know, um, yeah, maybe Vin, definitely yeah, couldn't pull maybe, it off. Uh, Ving Rhames back in the day, maybe, maybe. Uh, but yeah, it would have been difficult. It would have been cast wrong for sure. Uh, yeah. And, and I, God, Michael Clark Duncan just absolutely. Oh, he did such a fantastic job. Yeah, I remember right? watching the, or I listened to the commentary with this, and it it's, shows you how grave an actor Tom Hanks was. There was a uh, great scene, apparently, that 
uh, Michael Clark Duncan and Tom Hanks were doing together right outside that cell where he was like, uh, where he just brought, I think, Mr. Jingles back or something else had happened right outside the cell. And those two guys are talking to one another and they're only filming Michael Clark Duncan's kind of coverage, uh, on, on the film. And, uh, they said off camera, Tom Hanks gave like an Oscar worthy performance to perform opposite Michael Clark Duncan. And no one ever gets to see it. Uh, because really? he's just putting that extra effort in, you know, regardless if the camera's on him, because he knows it's going to help the other guy that much more. And I used to always remember that and try to tell people that when they're, because you know, you've been on independent films with me too. A lot of the times when someone's not being uh, filmed, but they're giving a performance opposite him. They kind of phone it in half the time. And I'm like, no, you got to right. give that actor something, man, to really get him to that level. And that's, that's Tom Hanks's kind of 30 years at that point experience of doing that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And some of the other actors, I mean, Michael Jeter was great in this, you know, Mr. Jingles. And uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> what's it? Sam Rockwell. People forget this was like the first time I ever saw Sam Rockwell in a movie. I hadn't seen him in anything other than maybe uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, him being that kind of asshole in the cell who was just like the wild man. Yeah, uh, he was just kind of crazy. He was he was crazy. Or that asshole guard. Oh, man, that asshole guard was so much of a dick, man. He he had yeah. some weird Quincy. Yeah, he has some weird like real life kind of demons and stories about him that Dave had been telling me before about the people I have to look up. Uh, I can't remember his his real name. I think it was like Hutchinson or something. Uh, he was good in it. I mean, you even think like Harry Dean, uh, is it Harry Dean Stanton? Uh, as yeah. the, the guy they're walking to the mile and Dave had even mentioned that this was the one movie that, uh, his wife, Maria cannot watch that electrocution scene. It's oh just, yeah. It's dude. just too real. And I, yeah. I completely agree with her when you watch it and you, the way they're editing it back and forth and you're hearing the screaming. I don't know about you, but sometimes in horror movies or just in thrillers, the way the person who's being attacked is reacting is almost more powerful than the act that's happening to him. If I oh, hear yeah. somebody screaming in a certain way, that's when it just gets that next level. And yeah. uh, that's what you were hearing from Michael Jeter when they were like electrocuting him on the mile. It was like, oh, oh it's, it's difficult. Yeah. I can see why she thinks so. <laughs> The two scenes that come to mind when you say that are Bone Tomahawk and The Green Inferno. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I still I still haven't brought myself to watch Midsummer. You let me borrow it. Yeah. I've picked it up like seven times. It's not dude. as I've bad as you think like it is. Seven times. It I see you say that and then I'm gonna text <laughs> you and be like Bro, that was an awesome movie, but I'm never gonna watch it again. No, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't as bad. I I mean, it is bad, but it's not as uh, it's not anywhere it's not like as bad. Well, those two movies were gross. The, uh, I mean, those were some violent ass shit. And this wasn't yeah. this wasn't really a violent. This is more of a mental fuck, okay. <laughs> which sometimes is even worse. Mind. But <laughs> yeah, that might make me pick it up. Yeah. Eight I mean, you we'll loved see. Hereditary, so if you loved Hereditary, you, you'll like Midsummer. Okay, it's cool. the same guy. Yeah, <laughs> got to take that plunge, man. This uh, this next movie, I love this movie. I watched it yesterday, man, and I and I didn't need to watch it yesterday because I I know it backwards and forwards and everything. But for some reason, I just had the urge to watch it. It was one of the ones where I I jump forward past the beginning. I hate to to be that guy, but when you only have a, like an hour and twenty minutes or something, and you want to get to it, the yeah. good parts of the movie, you got to do it. Especially if yeah. it's something you've seen ten, fifteen times already. And that's two thousands Castaway. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I started yeah. right on the plane, and I, for me, that's how I always uh, did. I let you borrow Arctic. You did. Oh, watch Arctic, dude. Watch it as soon as you can. It's so amazing. It, it is like the cast. It's like Castaway, but it's in the Arctic on a glacier. And yeah, and what, it's got that dude in it, and I really like him. Oh, he's so good, man. It takes a certain amount of a certain type of actor, and uh, Mads Mikkelsen is that guy, him. and Tom yeah. Hanks uh, is another guy, the guy that can carry a movie just by watching him do things. And what Arctic got right, which I'll always put Arctic a little bit over a Castaway, is they chopped out that beginning stuff. It just Arctic starts where he's already down and you just go uh-huh. in there and you're just with him that whole time and there's no talking and it's uh, very little dialogue, but it's so engaging watching him do stuff. And I love that about Castaway that I was always like, I get the whole idea with the FedEx and with Holly, uh, what was her name from Mad About You? I can't think yeah. of that. Uh, uh, and Helen I, Hunt. Helen Hunt, and I get it and everything, but if it was me, I would have started that shit on the airplane. We could have got the backstory. I mean, you, with Tom Hanks, you really don't even need it. He's that good of an actor that you don't yeah, even need Yeah, but you could have done flashbacks. You, you could have I mean? done in flashbacks. That's kind of how yeah. I would have done it. And yeah. I would have never had him get off the island, to be honest with you. I kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's a horrible thing to say, but... Or just, like... Suffer and die, Or just stop it when he gets pulled up by <laughs> that, like, steamer uh, truck or something like that, just stop it like right, right there uh yeah. because it went on for like 20 minutes after after he gets off the island and you're like eh, you know the exciting yeah. stuff was the island i didn't know if it needed it at all so i would think that they were trying to please people more like me who oh, i sure. can imagine I, you know i can imagine like i still would have loved castaway whether he did or did not get off the island like if they would have just kind of let it go open-ended and just let you realize like well he did he get off did he not get off like what happened i probably would have been like dude fuck that movie you know what I mean? But I totally see. I, to- I totally see you know, how at the same time you would be like, dude, they did not need all of that. Uh, they could have left it up to the imagination. That's you know? the differences between me and you as a moviegoer. You want to be completely satisfied at the end, and I yeah. have no problem with them saying, "Fuck you, figure it out on your own." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of times, my how I would figure it out is better than how they ended up doing it. I'd rather right? I'd rather them not bring me to that place than bring me to a place that I don't agree with. So. Right. Uh, I I can see both ways, man. I I, I love it. Uh, yeah. But it was a fun movie, man. I mean, you you think of the stuff on the island, man, and and when he fi- when he first gets there and he's un and he, you forget that he waits like a day and a half before he starts opening those FedEx packages. And yeah. uh, that's the one thing I call bullshit on is is him not opening that one. I was like bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I would have definitely had to have opened that I, to see what was in there. Like Did you, you said, ever find out what was in there? Uh, satellite phone. <laughs> no, no I don't know. Are you serious? No. <laughs> oh, I was like, no. Because <laughs> that's what I would be concerned about. I'm like, oh, I it wasn't a satellite phone? <laughs> yeah, he just yeah. dropped it off at the end. And I could see them doing that. That's such a Zemeckis type of way to do things. Yeah. Uh, you, you think of how uh, you could tell it's the Forrest Gump type guy. There was an interesting story with this, and I think I had told it the opposite uh, when we were talking to Zemeckis pod, but I always thought it was interesting that they started the movie. Uh, now, I, I might get it wrong because at some point, Tom Hanks has to lose a shitload of weight. Now, I've, I'm pretty sure that he had the weight on and they filmed the first part of the movie and then they took a sabbatical and Robert Zemeckis went and filmed uh, What Lies Beneath for the next like six months to give Tom Hanks time to lose all the weight. Yeah. Now, I might have gotten that the opposite. He might have started skinny and got big, but I'm pretty sure he got big and then got skinny. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, and um, it, it, but a, a pretty big I've, transformation too. Yeah, no, and I and every time we bring it up, I say, dude, he he's he's got type two diabetes from you know from losing and gaining so much weight for his roles. It's like, crazy. I, he, I would think that there's a lot of actors out there that probably have that we don't know about. That's why people like Joaquin Phoenix have to be careful because he's he's skirting that line now too. Yeah, being absolutely. that guy, and Christian Bale clearly has been doing it for so long that he needs to start oh, doing dude. that shit too. From machinist to Batman, oh. <laughs> like, I mean, it doesn't even on, seem real. I, look up, look up pictures of Christian Bale from the Machinist if you want to get sick. Yeah, <laughs> I love that yeah, movie, yeah. and I get what he's doing, but there's no reason they couldn't have done it like digitally, taking that uh, weight off. The way digital works nowadays, I mean, you don't have to do that. I mean, watch a Marvel movie. See what they do with uh, Chris Evans in that movie. Uh, oh, yeah, dude. Because Or Michael Douglas. Like, <laughs> yeah, or Michael Douglas or friggin' you know? yeah, young Robert Downey Jr. It's, it's crazy how uh, it's changing. So I, I think in that aspect, we'll probably lose a lot of that actors doing that type of shit. You always got those crazy motherfuckers. You always got that Shia LaBeouf that's like, cut me, cut me. I don't give a yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Like, no, this this makeup doesn't look real enough. I'm yeah. going to slice my own slice face. My, it, it's just a scar to remember from the rest of my yeah. life. Or, exactly. Or for movie artists to digitally remove from now on for the rest of the Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, giving somebody a job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this last movie here, and this is a biggie too because this is <clears throat> this was like the first time we got to see Tom Hanks play a bad guy. You know, yeah. It, yeah, it's weird that we have not seen him in this. Those certain actors that you you would imagine it's hard to believe as a bad guy, and I and I will say even as a bad guy, he's a pretty nice dude <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, I I think he's more of like a an anti hero. Yeah, I I get that. I, but if you, you watch know. the beginning of the movie, he he's blowing some uh, he's shooting some motherfuckers down. Oh yeah, <laughs> I absolutely. mean they're bad people, but I mean you could justify it in your mind any way you want it. Tom, Tom right. Hanks is still a killer. <laughs> I know, right. Uh, he didn't go all like uh robin williams where robin williams did like that serial killer run with one hour photo and insomnia in like two years span <laughs> yeah he yeah, you can tell when up. people really want to break from that mold i think tom hanks per- kind of knows what his mold is and he basically stays within it but i mean this was a great script man really oh great. yeah starring some Absolutely. fantastic actors I mean, this yeah, is who, J- James Bond, was- uh, Daniel Craig before he became Bond. This was probably yeah. the first thing I actually the first thing I saw him in was the Tomb Raider movie. He was, uh, I think, he was in the second Tomb Raider movie, the one with uh, Angelina Jolie. And oh, interesting. He was like the rival archaeologist that was trying to get to the location at the same time as her and to beat her to the artifact and everything. He was good in it, and uh, he dude, disappeared. <laughs> Totally off topic, but since you brought that up, uh, have you heard uh, about the uh, Dora the Explorer movie? No, I always thought it looked great. Have you seen it? Dude, well, I haven't, but you know Michael Pena is the yeah, yeah, like, the dad. dad. And, uh, dude, I, I kind of want to watch that movie just so I can watch a whole movie with Michael Pena. Yeah, I don't know how long he's in it, though, because she gets like shipped to another country or something like that. It seems very romancing the stone, and it looked fun. I always thought it looked really great when I saw the trailer yeah. for it. So I, I, just I might have to it. check that out. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I know that's off topic, <laughs> but it just popped in my head. No, it's good. Uh, so yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what's kind of going on or what, what kind of the initial kind of uh, catalyst for this movie is, because we've already kind of established Tom Hanks. Is, he's a kind of hitman for the mob and uh, what, uh, what's his name? Paul so, Newman, Paul Newman. We should mention him because he won the, I think he won the Oscar for this. I think he won best he supporting actor. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, he was God. He was so good in this fucking movie. Oh, he was good, and that's another person you don't you you see the billing. You're like, wait, Tom uh, Tom Hanks and Paul Newman are bad people in this movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's insane. Well, so yeah, so basically, Tom Hanks' son um, witnesses a murder. Brilliantly played by that young actor. I don't know if I've seen him in anything else since then. Yeah, I can't think of anything either. Um, but he was he was great yeah. throughout this entire movie. I mean, um, every scene basically with Tom Hanks. So, oh yeah, um, and so like they find out that he's you know witnessed this murder, and you know he's Tom Hanks' son, and so Tom Hanks goes and, and says like, hey, you know, don't do anything to him. He's my son. I'll talk to him. It's going to be fine. And uh, what's his name? Paul Newman. I was going to say the salad dressing guy. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You win. You always do. do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that might be the deepest Uh, cut we've ever thrown in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so Paul Newman, you know, like reassures him that nothing's going to happen, that he just wants to talk to him. And he even comes to the house and like talks to him. Yeah. Um, and then he leaves and lo and behold, he sends back some guys to come and kill the entire family, which they do. Yeah, they don't even take out the kid, man. I mean, they, they take out everybody. I think he had, didn't he have uh, I know he had a brother, but didn't he have a little sister too? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he had a little sister. And the only reason he wasn't at the house because he got in like a fight at school or something like that. And they had, yeah, he came, he was like, he came riding up on his bike. Yeah, he came riding up on his bike after they had already killed everybody and left. And basically from there is where the movie takes off. Yeah, it's like a road movie almost. Yeah, a road, you know, bank robbery. Yeah, that was free. I guess the idea was just the revenge. Who was who played the uh, who played the crazy photographer? I keep forgetting Jude Law. Jude Law, that's it. Yeah, dude, he was great. Man, man. This was one of the best roles he ever did. And he can play evil really well. He doesn't do it much, it seems. I'm I'm surprised he doesn't because he's got kind of a really evil quality to him. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds bad, but if you watch this movie you'll see you'll see what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, no, he's dark in this movie. Really he's good. Twisted. Even Stanley Tucci was good in this. So basically what Tom Hanks is doing now is he's just going across the country with his son, not only to keep his son safe, but he's got an agenda where he's just going to rob banks where this particular mob or all the mobs basically are keeping their money and he only wants mob money. And he's forcing the bank managers to hand it over to him. And clearly that's not going to uh, piss anybody off. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, well, I and, think and, William Fichter from like Dark Knight, you know the fuck you're stealing from? <laughs> exactly. You're already dead. You're already dead. <laughs> um well and doesn't he like basically make his way to chicago so that he can go and talk to like one of the upper bosses that's above yeah Um, that's right yeah and they he like tells them that it's gonna be okay and they call the hit off and well i guess we won't go because it was no you can spoil it we can spoil it's 2002 okay yeah so they call the hit off and there's a shootout between tom hanks and jude law briefly before he makes to uh makes it to chicago to have this meeting um and like well i guess it's maybe like 25 minutes later because it's after a while and you kind of like write jude law off you know yeah um and they make it to the shore after making the deal and everything's okay and they get to the beach house and uh the kid is out on the beach um and tom hanks is in the window and you just hear a fucking gunshot and the kid sees his dad get shot and jude law come back and shot him in the back but he ends up you know taking jude law out or doesn't the kid have to shoot him i think 
Yeah, the kid has to shoot him. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think the kid has to end up shooting him, you know, and like, and also the kid is like the, you know, the narrator about the whole story. And then, you know, I think what he's saying basically is like, it's his, it's Tom Hanks's eulogy probably throughout the entire movie. Yeah. You know he what I mean? he got him to where he wanted to be. He's going to be with uh, people that are going to raise him and everything. The whole thing with the dog was great. And, yeah. And yeah. I think he's got a shitload of money. Too. Yeah. He's got like, a shitload of money. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget that. Uh, but we also don't get to, I mean, how many movies do we actually get to see Tom Hanks die in too? I, I yeah. mean, Philadelphia, clearly he died in, did he die in yeah. saving private Ryan? I think he did. Right. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan, but that might have been the only... Well, definitely on this list. Hell, he wouldn't even jump into that goddamn volcano, that motherfucker. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he potentially was going to drink himself to death in League of Their Own, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd have to look at like our Tom Hanks uh, pod number three to see how many times he dies, but it's not, not something that you expect to see Tom Hanks do. It's like uh, Michael J. Fox in films. You know, Certain actors, I think they don't like to do that to the audience. You know, like, yeah. don't kill it's the like, everyman. <laughs> yeah, it's like Steven Seagal an executive decision yeah <laughs> you're like what still mad about that well looking back now like I'm kind of happy Seagal about anymore. it <laughs> yeah I know right I was about to say I don't even like Steven Seagal anymore but I'm still mad about the day I saw that in the theaters and they fucking killed him in 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that's gonna be our, our mini Tom Hanks pod right now man which will you put all these together once they're all up and everything it'll be one epic three hour uh, three and a half hour long uh, Tom Hanks kind of love fest here yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think next week, next week, me and Dave are going to try something different. We're gonna uh, we're gonna experiment with some social di- distancing, where I'm gonna keep him on one part of my uh, my property at my house, and I'm gonna be on the other, and we're gonna fucking uh, we're gonna work this out to get a really good one with him on there. And I think we're gonna be talking about the uh, about the fabulous director Sidney Lament, which I don't think people know. Like, could you even name a Sidney Lament movie? I've never even heard of him. See, that's the problem. Or, and you've and you've watched a lot know. of his movies probably and you've heard of him too and he's one of those great great uh directors in the 70s and 80s that people just his name just hasn't uh, clicked with people. He did Murder in the Orient Express, he did Network, he did Dog Day Afternoon, uh Family Business, Q&A, Guilty as Sin was another one um uh, did I say network? That was a big one for him. Yeah. Uh, Prince of the City was another great one. Just really gritty. Uh, Serpico, that was another uh, Sidney Lamette movie. So a lot of really gritty kind of 70s, 80s films and everything. And that's a director that me and Dave have been uh, watching forever. Like I asked Dave if he wants to do it. And he's like, I don't even think I have to rewatch any of these movies. I was like, bam, that never happens. <laughs> so we got to do that. So we're going to do that one. And then we're going to, um, we're going to see about doing the other, uh, Tom Hanks pod, but we got a, a really great off world one coming up and we'll, uh, it looks like we'll be doing this probably for the next couple of weeks. So me and you will come up with another one uh, to do. I might call my cousin and see how good his reception is. And it's good. I might uh, film a horror one with him. And uh, yeah, we'll just kind of make it through till we can uh, <laughs> at least be back in the room together. You know, I know, right? But you got to take it. You got to take this shit serious. You know, absolutely. Man. Cover your mouth, wash your hands. Yeah, wear that face covering. I, I mean, I was saying that from the beginning. I know they, they were, they were spouting that it's, uh, it's people that are uh, infected that need to be worrying about that shit. I said, yeah, but I'm a logical person, and if I'm standing in a room and someone coughs near me, if I'm wearing a mask, I ain't getting that cough on me. Yeah, exactly. So n- before they announced that everyone should be wearing uh, kind of face coverings, I had been doing it, man. I said, I'm not taking any chances. So yeah. every time I go out, I wear those that thing, and I still feel funny about wearing it, and. 
and anytime I go to the grocery store, I'm like, man, I just don't feel like I should even be here right now. You know, I just want to rush yeah. in there, get all the shit I need to get and get the fuck out of there. Yeah, know? absolutely, dude. I'm, I've done my best to just sit here and, and yeah. not go anywhere. You know, I'm a homebody. I can, I can deal with, it. I got movies, I got everything I need here. So, uh, yeah. I can, I can survive for a long time. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. But hopefully we hope in every week we got good news to report. <laughs> Not this yeah. week, but <laughs> hold yeah. up for next week and we'll see what we got to talk about. Uh, but yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, you can check us out on uh, Facebook. You can also uh, send us a like or a comment on our two platforms, which are SoundCloud and iTunes. And you can also shoot us an email at fascinatedwithfilms at gmail.com. Subject, Justin has to see Joe versus Volcano. <laughs> that's, that's where all the emails are going to come. They're going to be like, what? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, until next week, see ya. I have made fire. There's no crying in baseball.